Boom. I'm recording now. Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep Home Edition. We're a podcast that used to be about movies. I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording, as always, from my apartment in Koreatown, North Koreatown, Los Angeles. And I am so glad to have you guys here with me today. Um, I was looking through our numbers for the month of March, and I did notice that they were down a bit. And I just wanted to say, good for those people. You know, like, I was just thinking, like, if we're not the place that you turn for reassurance during difficult times, that seems right. You know? How how much are they down by? 10%? Oh, okay. Maybe 15%. 15 maybe so we lost uh, like a person no, you know what we, I, I don't like to discuss our actual numbers but they're significantly <laughs> better than that um they're not good but they're significantly better than that um uh, not that i know what 15 is one is 15 percent of um nope no do, idea do it, no, um, dude, come on come on do it do it you got it you can do it you no, can do it no, come on uh, <laughs> wait is it just 15 uh, is one fifteen percent of fifteen? No. Nope. Anyway, that, that makes sense. Actually, if you here's the other thing I wanted to say: if, you, if we're not yeah. a podcast that you turn to for math advice, that also seems about right. Yeah, not math. We know people. we know what we're good for. The point is, um, we really do. I thank you that if this uh, a few people have mentioned that this is like helpful through time uh, through weird times, and uh, and I appreciate that. Um, but if it's not go anywhere else i don't well, we'll we'll still be here if the world comes back we will be as well so don't this worry just about seems us like a weird thing to say or note for the audience you know i just feel like they think surely you know that if you you know that you can you're free to listen to whatever you would like you know i know and i really i'm trying to talk to the people who are not listening it's definitely a fool's errand yeah, i just I, wanted yeah. to say that mostly to you guys that that seems fine right yeah, they're not what everybody is like. We look, it's crazy out there. We got to see what Reed and Weep has to say about this crisis. Uh, frankly, I don't care about the people not here. I'm here for the yeah. people who are. You know, you guys are the best. I, Speak- I, I agree. Th- I want to thank them. Well, okay. Let me introduce you to this panel who cares about you, dear listener. Uh, first up, he's at Anthony Lopez Part Two. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. I am worried for your safety. Stay inside. <laughs> Talk. Todd, I know you want to keep going out, but you need to chill out, buddy. You don't wash <laughs> your hands long enough, Susan. I know you're not doing it. <laughs> I thought we don't have to wash our hands anymore because we're inside. You should still wash your hands. No, you got, to be Alex, you've got to wash your hands regardless. It's day okay? seven. Yeah. I've not washed my hands. I thought that was for people to go outside. You have to have wash you, your hands every day. Yeah. Have, <sighs> you been checking, have you been checking your mail? You need yes. to wash your hands after you uh, do that. Ugh. That's but I thought touching it your filthy, dirty mail, Alex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it couldn't live on mail. It, it lives there, Alex. It lives everywhere. <laughs> oh, man. oh, that other voice uh, who cares about you at home, dear listener, is at Hungry Hungry on Instagram. And the two of them, both in Southeast Portland, but safely distant um, by many, many blocks. It's Mr. Hunter Donaldson. Hello, it's me. Don't wash or wash your face. <laughs> don't, don't touch what? your face. Don't touch anybody else's face. Don't, Don't look touch at your other hands. people's faces, okay? Unless it's through the Zoom. The Zoom is your face portal. That's all what? you have now. Here's what I say. 
wash your face. Don't bother with your hands. But also, while we're talking about that, uh, if you are using Zoom, keep in mind your employers can access what you're viewing on the, your your computer at the same time. So also, wash your browser history. That's the yeah, important wash thing. Wash your browser history. Because I'm sure that's gotten filthy because you've been inside a minute. <laughs> Uh, Ezra is away, you guys. He's still not able to join us um, because um, one thing about working from home when school is canceled is that he is also a full-time uh, at homeschool parent, uh, homeschool teacher. He is <laughs> he's teach he's raising his kids right now, so he's got a full-time job and also is raising kids. Yeah, Alex, I know you don't uh, have kids, but I believe that's just called being a parent. But but it's yeah. no he you have to do the teach like you have to teach them school stuff like yeah, they I have mean, to do school. It's parents, different. Parents I mean, my, did my that before schools, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah he's a homeschool teacher and a parent. Anyway, he's very busy and he has no bandwidth to hang out with us right now, which is very sad. But we are continuing on without him. Um, well, I'm going to start with you today, Hunter. Before we start talking about this week's movie, what else have you watched this week? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> uh, I thought it was over. I thought you finished it. No, it's it wasn't over. Uh, this oh. is the season. This is the actual season finale. Um, but don't okay. worry, I'm not. I'm I'm going to do something different uh, this week. Uh, I'm going to tell you about my favorite episode of Star Trek: Ooh. The Next Generation, just oh. really from memory and like not <laughs> not very not like a good summary of it. But <laughs> so right, like. I'm in. If you've been listening to this segment and you're like, I do not know why Hunter is every week telling us about a show for us not to watch that if you're not even a Trekkie, like obviously you wouldn't even care. So you're like, I didn't care about it before. So I, now I'm just hearing about a show not to watch. So I, now I'm actually going to tell you something that you could watch. There's an oh. episode, my, my favorite episode of Star Trek Next Generation is a um, it's a Riker episode. Uh, if you don't know, Riker is uh, Patrick Stewart's uh, number one, his number one guy. Uh, right. He has a mustache. He's played by Jonathan Frakes. He's hammy. He's um, outclassed in every way by Patrick Stewart. He's in over his head. He should not be he, he anywhere near Patrick the, Stewart. The trombone? Or he the... plays the trombone. Yeah, uh, he is a goober. Uh, he's a good man. Right. Uh, he's got a good heart. Uh, I like him. He's got a but, kid. Yeah. Well, wait, does he have a kid? I don't remember him having a kid. Does he have a kid? There's an episode when he has a kid. Maybe like an alternate universe thing. I don't remember. Huh. I've only seen a handful of the show. That's you know what? If you have a kid, that's just called having a, a kid, Anthony. Yeah, that I wasn't a very that. good revenge, but I was thinking about it. Um, so it's the thought this that counts. This episode is called Frame of Mind, and mm -hmm. in the episode, uh, Riker is in a play on the Enterprise. Uh, they're doing a play, and you can already kind of see maybe why this might be the best what? episode. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, they do plays on the Enterprise. Sure. And, okay. And Riker is an actor um, uh -huh. in the in the play, and the play is set in like an insane asylum. Asylum, and it's sort of like they're doing like uh, maybe it's sort of like Flowers for Algernon or like One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, but I don't think it's actually one of those plays. Mm -hmm. um, so like. Riker's acting in this play, but then at the same time, he keeps waking up and finding himself in an actual insane asylum. And it's like he can't tell, like, which is reality and what is what is true, what isn't true. And also he's an actor and he's not very good in real life or in the play within the play of the show, you know. Um, 
but he's wonderful and I can't, I'm not going to ruin the ending, but that is the premise of it. As far as I can remember, I probably messed something up about it, uh, but it is uh, very funny and, and actually a lot better than I'm making it sound. Um, so instead of watching Picard, just watch that <laughs> one episode of TNG and maybe you'll like it. And maybe this will open a whole new portal for you into, into Star Trek of which all of it has been on Netflix and available to you for like 10 years now. And will probably oh. always be there basically. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, do you know what season this is from? I think it's season five. Um, okay. here I I can get that for you real quick. I thought you might be able to. I'm excited to see the skits that they put on for their company picnic on the ship. That sounds like yes. a fun day. Um, well, so it's like- uh, season six, episode 21 is the, the episode. Frame of mind. Very good episode. I uh, I really like the one where Picard and an alien get stuck on a planet and the alien <laughs> only speaks in metaphors. Yeah, Darmok. Uh, Darmok. Yeah, that's 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 a really good episode. It's that's pretty hilarious fun as well. Yeah. Oh wait, you uh, haven't seen that episode? That episode's like famous. Yeah, I've not seen really any of one. the show. I've never seen the show. I, the only Star Trek I've seen is the porn parody and the one where they save a whale. Wow. That's I've been very clear about this. I have no idea what you're ta- every week. I let you talk for four minutes about something. I have no idea what you're saying and you're telling me not to watch it. So it's like, here's the thing I don't understand. Don't do- understand it. Well, and- all, all I have to say about that is Temba, his arms wide. <laughs> Look, I, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but just know I like you a lot or this would not be happening. Um, yeah. Anthony, I, I'm going to go. I, actually, I'll go second because you, you always have the, the biggest thing. Let me tell you about really quick. Um, as you may remember on the show last week, I told you we'd watched uh, The Great Escape. So this week, my wife and I watched Chicken Run. And we had a very I nice get time. It. We're I still, get it. We're still. Uh, uh, we were, originally, we were thinking of tunneling out of our apartment. But now Mel Gibson has convinced me I should go over the fence instead of under it. So I'm going to fly out of here. You do have a long history of taking life advice from Mel Gibson. I really explained a lot. <laughs> a lot of your opinions have come from that man, Alex, and I think you really need to reconsider some of them. There's a lot of things I like, you know, about what he has to say um, about chickens flying. That's the only thing I can commit to, but that's uh, the thing that I definitely, definitely care about. I'm almost positive I can search those tapes and find some negative comment that involves chickens and flying. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna I have no negative things together. to say about chickens. Um, Anthony, what did you watch this week? Um, not much actually. Been really? a very video game heavy week right okay. now. What did you uh, play this week? Well, I got a VR headset. Yeah, uh, I, was, I was telling you guys earlier, a friend of mine was nice enough to bring me one, uh, a quarantine headset, so I can escape the confines of my small apartment and go into the digital world and uh, have a poorly tracked headsets and do some fun platforms. <laughs> um, but there's a handful of games I've played. Uh, the one I've been enjoying the most is this uh, Rhythm violence game is what the developers of it call it and they call it it's called rhythm Thumper. violence thumper it's a it's like a a guitar hero but very aggressive is i guess and instead of a guitar you play a scare a scale uh like a bug like a scarab uh it's fucking it's awesome scarab it, guitar hero 
Kind of, yeah, let's say Wait, that. Wait, are you the scarab or do you play yes. the scarab? Is it like, is You're this Bug a... Bug Revolution? No. Kind of. <laughs> Uh, it is a psychedelic nightmare when you play a scarab going down like a roller coaster track, essentially a very oh surreal. God, this is bonkers. Track and uh, you hit rhythm notes in time with the music, and it's truly. I've played a lot of VR in my time. I have a, a few friends who have that. My friend uh, was able to let me borrow this one because he has like four different headsets. He's kind of a a. Uh, real really all in on the technology yeah and, uh so i've played a lot this is definitely one of the most simple but effective games in virtual reality i've ever played uh i'm enjoying it quite a bit uh so that's been very nice to escape and then in terms of what i've actually been watching uh my wife and i just started uh little fires everywhere on hulu which is a show starring Reese Witherspoon. Oh, yeah, I've been uh, seeing their ads for it. Yeah, and uh, I'm only a few episodes in, but I've been enjoying it. The acting's very good. Uh, Reese Witherspoon has a good uh, track record. I love her. I love Kerry Washington. Uh, I love the whole cast of this, um, but I wasn't a huge fan of the second season of Big Little Lies, but I really liked the first season, Uh, so I kind of trust her producing work. And so far, it's very good. So if you got Hulu and fun. plenty of time. Uh, <laughs> oh, the the other thing, because I, I, I keep looking for something that we've all watched, is last week you talked about Tiger King, and my wife and I finally watched um, most of Tiger King. I think we've seen four episodes of it. So we're, we're, we're part of the conversation now. This is what everyone's yeah. talking about, you guys. What, what do you think? My main takeaway is that I want to get a dog. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, because like, I, there's so much all this time where they're like he's hugging a tiger he's rolling around with the tiger and it's like well that's and I, I was really like I know this is this is wrong and I shouldn't do that because they should be wild and free but I it does seem fun to wrestle with the tiger and to play fetch with the tiger and then I realized so, they're so cute and fur and there's, furry they're so cute and furry and then I was like you know what else is cute and furry and plays fetch and wrestles with you and starts out as a as a little guy is dogs and they don't eat your arms so I could just get a dog, get all the fun of a tiger with none of the downside. Well, there's a few things that show taught me. Uh, One, that there's a guy in it who is the model for Scarface, and he's the most reasonable and normal person in the whole show. Yes, which is great. He he says that he's the model for Scarface, but also other people have said that they are the model for Scarface, so he might be lying about that. But yes, I I, I am actually the model for Stars. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I call him on Fucked it up. Yeah, that was no, just Starface. You know, that's exactly what Scarface yeah. would say. No, you're the model for Starface, the drummer from yes. Kits. You know, yeah, that's me. I'm I'm a uh, Bill Starface or whatever his name was. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good takeaways from that. One, well, apparently in Florida, very easy to kill your husband. Which, but I think we already all knew that. Yeah, I would uh, assume if anywhere it would be in Florida. And the main thing I learned was that if you have enough methamphetamines and uh, tiger, you can hook up with anybody you want, apparently. That's the secret to everybody's hope. That certainly is a theme of the show. Is like, if you want a tiger, people will have sex with you. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not in the market for either of those things. So I'm, I'm going to just get a dog and then my wife will like it. That's all I need. By the way, also, I should make a quick disclaimer. If my landlord is listening to this, we are not considering getting a dog. 
Also, do you, do you think there did... was a chance that your landlord w- listens to the show? He normally would, but we're down 10%. And so I doubt. That's got to be the still... landlords, right? It's mostly the landlords. <laughs> yeah, I... after the way landlords have been discussed on this show, the number one villain of the Read Me podcast is the <laughs> landlord. There's no way he's still listening. Um... Rent freeze, rent freeze. <laughs> Don't pay that shit. <laughs> also, um, oh, also, I like that the, the tiger only cost two thousand bucks. That's what he said, which yeah, is crazy. Cheap tiger, that's a reasonable tiger. I would pay more like, than that. That's the price. Tiger's that's less cheaper. than a French bulldog. Yeah, dude, uh, that's less than a car. It's less than a car. Yeah, you can you drive see, a tiger. For, did you see yeah. the thing uh, that was going around this week about Doc, the the weird cult leader in? Oh yeah, which where, by the way. He's way creepier. Oh yeah, he's he's a straight. I mean, they're all like they're all kind of cult leaders in their own way. But Doc is a yeah, straight up cult yeah, leader. Yeah, yeah. But he was at um, Britney Spears' "Oops, I Did It Again" VMA performance. Uh, <laughs> did you see right. that clip going around? No. She, she had like a tiger on stage. Of course she was, did. Yeah, it was, it was one of his, and Ugh. he was Doc was on stage with Britney Spears. Oh uh, man, that's that's just, bonkers. It's just wild to be like these these lunatics have been in our lives this entire time, and we just yeah. I mean, know um, it, you know? was he the one who did Ace Ventura and 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 I Nature Call? Yes, yes, yeah, he did all the movies. Yeah, he's been involved in everything that I've ever liked. Yeah. If it had an animal in it, it's crazy. And that guy um, straight up is a he's a he's a he's a bad person. I don't like yeah, him. Yeah, his fingerprints are all over. Uh, love of animals in this country. It's wild. It's, it's terrible. Very, All right. Very bothersome to think about. So, fun aside, but let's talk about our main reason for being here today um, is we're oh, returning yeah. to... We're returning to slightly condescending film school. This week's lesson is about... Rear Window, 1954. <laughs> I, I, I used to you put the dates down and it. I've lost it. Oh, okay. You said it like you were like scrambling to find your note that said. I was, the just, name. I was, I was trying to find the note that said the year because I always, I like to say the the oh. 1954 film Rear Window, and I was right about the year, but I had not written it down. So yeah, so we watched the 1954 um, film uh, Rear Window, uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring James Stewart and Grace Kelly, and a really old camera lens. Um, so. <laughs> That was okay. I don't know, Alex. I imagine this might have popped through your head too. But every time that camera was on a uh, frame, I just kept thinking, "Man, that lens would be worth a lot of money today." Oh, oh yeah. my god! Uh, yeah, Jeez. That, I mean, it was, I'm sure it was expensive at the time, but I can't imagine what it would charge. You'd you'd pay yeah, for that I, camera lens right now. I, I was like trying to find out what lens it is to look it up, but yeah, that lens, like an old lens from that period, that if it was in that kind of condition today, you could oh, put like yeah. a down payment of a house on it. For sure. Um, for sure. It's um, just wild. Uh, according to IMDb, the lens is a 400 millimeter prime telephoto. Um, that's as far as I've gotten so far. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, 1950s pristine condition telephoto lens. Fascinating. Anyway, you guys both simultaneously picked this for me. So um, I assume that the main reason is because we are all sitting at home looking at our windows as if our legs were broken in a photographic car accident. Well, we are kind of like him, you know? Yeah, we are all a little rear windowy now. But why did you guys pick this for me for film reasons? Well, um, it's really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
I can't tell if that's you not having a great idea of why or being condescending about it. Like I no, should no, already, no. obviously no, not. I'm, I'm definitely not being condescending about it. I may be just being stupid about it. Yeah. Um, okay. But I, mean, I really like Jimmy Stewart's great. Uh, Hitchcock movies are great. I think this is a good. And uh, obviously, Psycho is probably the most common entryway to Hitchcock. Uh, but Rear Window is good because I feel like it's the allegory or like the the psychological message of it. I feel like is um, so well executed that it is like somewhat obvious, but not in a way that makes it shitty. It's just like every part of the movie is about what the movie is about. You know what I mean? I also think that as the for the film school sort of idea, I think there's a lot of great stuff that this movie could teach you. But also, like Seven Samurai, it's one of those Rosetta Stone movies that, again, like there's been so many ripoffs of this and so many parodies. Almost every TV show that needs to do a bottle episode will eventually do like right. a bottle episode that's like a real window homage. Oh. Um, like this is another one of those movies that once you see it, you're like, oh, so much stuff came from this. And I also yeah. think this movie has like uh, something we talked about a while ago, like the way this movie is blocked is just incredible. Like the way yeah, it is it's insane. Yeah, the way like the exact precision and all the different apartments and things going on, it's camera movement. This film is probably one of the best examples of like why Hitchcock, I think, is, you know, he's considered the master of suspense. And if you really want to nail down what suspense is and how to effectively use it, like Hitchcock has a very famous, uh, he, you know, has a lot of fa- famous like. Uh, things he he uh, gave to the world of film, you know, like the word MacGuffin is uh, something Alfred Hitchcock, I believe, came up with. Oh, cool. Um, but he has a, a very famous thing when he talks about the difference between surprise and suspense. And it's like surprise is you have two guys sitting at a table talking and the table blows up and kills them, right? That's, uh-huh. that's surprise. Uh, suspense is you show someone putting a bomb underneath the table and setting it to five minutes and then you cut to them talking and that's suspense yeah, right? like, okay. just that simple thing of like making sure the audience knows something that the characters don't and this movie does that in so many different ways especially at the end when like uh, the villain looks into the lens and you see him leave the apartment but Jimmy Stewart doesn't see it and the way the entire masterclass of the last like 20 minutes of this movie is how yeah. tenseful they are still to this day. It's just. And, it's and you may remember great. from when we've discussed um, the pizza box, box movie that <laughs> my my wife and I, Parasite, my wife and I, um, the specific kind of suspense that is most stressful to us is someone's going to get in trouble. And this this that the suspenseful like last act of this movie is full of that oh boy it's just about people who are about to get yelled at um, yeah or well, murdered but yeah, it's still like they get in trouble murdered is definitely well, thrown out well but at the time i'm assuming he didn't murder anybody so i am assuming just just yelled at i am i was very surprised he killed somebody um in in my memory of this, what I like, what I remember having th- having been told about this movie, or just like from general knowledge, I thought it was about a guy who thinks he sees a murder and he's wrong, and that is not what this movie is. And yeah, 
I actually uh, had the same experience, Alex. Like the exact same. Yeah, I totally thought that that was the plot of the movie. And then, interesting. Yeah, and then it wasn't until the climax that I was like, I feel like I'm wrong. (laughs) Like, yeah, I had really written off the possibility that he had murdered his wife, and then he answers the phone and goes to the hotel in a very suspicious manner. Huge and spoiler, by the way, and we haven't even summarized the movie yet. We but should summarize I, the movie. I, yeah, I, I just want to make, stop the role. quick thing about that um, one point. I would argue that the reason why you think that is because this movie is parodied so much that you don't want yeah, to have that it must kill be like, it. Most things that kind of do homages to this try to subvert the ending or it's a show like Scrubs and you're not going to have a violent murderer in Scrubs, right? Right, right, so right. So the guy doesn't actually end up being a killer on their rear window homage. So it's, it's Oh, that's such an interesting point. So I've probably seen <laughs> 10 parodies or homages where they d- it was not. Uh, let me go back a second about the spoiler, though. Um, should we go back and censor that spoiler? Or since this movie is 56 years old, is it okay? Oh, um, well, I'll, I'll go with it's okay because that's less work. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Also, yeah, also as, as a fellow that, editor and producer, <laughs> it's also like the type of thing that I, I don't feel like you're supposed to think he didn't do it. Like there is the red herring with the um the woman who leaves his apartment, right? That's never actually resolved in the movie, but I yeah. think it's always pretty clear from the plot, um, that he, that he did it. That he did it. Yeah. I mean, again, but no. Also, it's the type of thing I've seen this movie a bunch of times, so I I don't know what it's like to have seen it for the first time. Like it's just I've always known. I feel like yeah. I've always known the plot of this movie. I think yeah. See, I thought I did too, and I was backwards. <laughs> but I think okay. So I, this is why I kind of wanted. I, I'm not only because it's less work, Hunter, but also because I just want to. I feel like it's important for me to talk about it with somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I want to be part of that. But um, if it's not film schooly, I could definitely have taken it out. But it's since you're hearing this, you also heard the spoiler, so we're just going to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I would have taken that out as well, and this part. No, uh, no, and we this can, next we're, part. We're, no, we're done. We're done. Okay. No more anyway, editing. We we that finished. game is over. Anyway, so um, uh, yeah, so let me give you the quick summary of the movie. My my three sentence summary of Rear Window, and then we'll talk a little bit more about that ending and this and that aspect of it, and then we'll go into no, no stupid questions. So. Uh, Rear Window, 1954, Jimmy Stewart is a douchebag uh, and a photographer <laughs> um, with a girlfriend who is charming and beautiful and he does not deserve her at all. Right, and he um, doesn't even want her, I guess. Sort he's of, not or... interested in her yeah. and uh, treats her like garbage. Um, he's got a broken leg right now, so all he can do is treat her badly and look out his window at his neighbors, um, none of whom ever close their blinds. So this is, um, well, fun fact I about this movie, this is the reason blinds were invented. Yes, that's true. There's the one couple that is presumably, um, let's see, it's the 1950s, so they are making Whoopi, perhaps? Yeah. Um, they're the only people who close their blinds. Hardcore Whoopi. Just Even- like sweaty <laughs> Whoopi. Just like that, like, good Whoopi. That really good Whoopi. Oh, Hon- man, that is oh, a that fascinating combination. Whoopi. <laughs> Honestly, one of the funniest running jokes in movie history is that couple, I think. They, they are very funny, um, but also it's just like thinking back, like, the, the idea that he just got married, bought, like, rented an apartment, <laughs> like, made him, and this is, like, the first time anyone's touched his wee-wee. Like, it's just a fascinating... <laughs> like, of course they're going to put down the blinds for a week 
this is a crazy thing that's happening to him. Yeah, yeah. And her. I was. Uh, I just empathize more as a wee wee have her. But obviously, right, both of them right. are going through the craziest week of their lives. Well, I mean, like, the joke is he keeps trying to, like, get away for a minute to get air, yes. right? And then she she's, yells for him to come back. She's the one super aggressive and, like, on it. She, it turns out, really enjoys Whoopi. Yeah. yeah. Loves that yeah. good, good Whoopi. <laughs> Nasty um, but they're the only ones who close their blinds. Even when the lonely lady is making out with a her bad date, she is like, "Oh, excuse me," and then closes the blinds halfway, and you can still see it. It's just not a privacy focused. Anyway, this was three sentences. So Jimmy Stewart sucks. He got a broken leg. His girlfriend's rad, and he doesn't deserve her. He's looking out the window. Um, he sees one neighbor behaving suspiciously. He thinks he sees a murder, and improbably, he actually did. And so him and well, his, his friends saw, solve that murder. He saw someone cleaning up a murder scene. He does not yes. see a murder. That is very... Yes, that's what I said. I said he, he, yes, he saw a person who he thinks has recently just committed murder. And it turns out, improbably, despite all evidence, he is correct. Um, and not just a murder, but in this world, this guy committed just a horrific murder. Like... It's very hard for me to get in into the world where this salesman cuts up a body with a saw. Like you need to watch just, more true crime documentaries. Yeah, yeah I, I, watch, you think. I feel like not. I feel like how's he going to get rid of the evidence, Alex? Yeah. I feel like there's there's like this is well this is what I felt like with the Tiger King lady too is I was like she seems like a person who could bump her rich husband off the bow of the yacht and then say he fell for sure. But she is not a person who could put him in a meat grinder. I just don't think she has that. And I feel that same way about the salesman. I don't think he had hacksaw dismemberment in his body. I don't think he could pull that off. Again, I, I mean, I, why? I just he, like the look of him? Like you just sizing yeah. this guy up and you're like, yeah, he got it in him. him. Given what he did the day before and the day after, I don't think he did that. I think, again, you need to watch any true TV. Almost I've watched all, a lot of I, man, I, I know so much true crime I've watched every episode of Law and Order in every country that they made <laughs> Law and Order I've seen so many I've read I've read almost exclusively murder mysteries for the last 10 years I'm telling you I don't think this guy had it in him do you think it's this is it's not an 50s? amateur opinion this is an expert opinion is it the of 50s? fictional murderers do you think it's the 50s that makes you feel this way like it's, it's also especially the 50s. he's wears a hat that guy doesn't hacksaw <laughs> bone I I I think again. This is every single murder case of this nature. The neighbors say the exact same thing you did. He no, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm no. I'm saying. I'm not saying he couldn't kill somebody. He probably could. I'm saying he couldn't dismember a body and then handle that. Well, what's your interpretation of the movie then? What happened? Is 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 this guy being framed or something? What do you say? So here's what I think. I think at the end he confesses to killing the dog. And Jimmy Stewart misunderstands that as killing his wife. He confesses to the cops, though. Yes, and I think he he confessed. I killed her. He meant the dog. Why? Why? But but why would he? Why would he even be talking about the dog if not for the stuff that he buried that the dog was trying to dig up? Well, I think what he buried and they were trying to dig up like, was cocaine. That's my reading of this film is that he was a coke okay. de- a major okay. coke dealer. So he's a he's a pork pie hat wearing coke dealer and- who, who murdered a dog <laughs> and he felt so bad about it he confessed later to the well, police. What happened to his wife? Where did his wife go? 
she's in was it Maryland? She took a train. They have the she alibi somewhere so, else. So you so you you buy the alibi, or it's not really an alibi. It's just a story. Yeah, I mean, because that's the other thing is he created a really thorough alibi when no one was looking. This is an impressive amount of forethought. Well, and brutality. What do you mean when I, no one is looking? Like, if you kill somebody, you don't, like, you come up with something. You don't just, like, you're not like, well, I just hope no one asks about this because I can't yeah, tell why. Yeah, the 50s. Like, no, who's going to ask where his wife is? Well, and also, you, you're you missing a central part of it is that he didn't do it alone, right? He had an accomplice. The, the woman he was... What? The woman he's on the phone with making long distance calls, the woman who leaves oh, the apartment. Yeah. He has a Oh, second you mean his ac- coke connection? He has a second accomplice, right? He, uh, he killed his wife so that he could to be leave, with his girlfriend. To be with his girlfriend, yeah. That's the See what I don't understand about this. This is the 50s. No one can find anybody. If you just leave, they can't call you, they can't track you. They there's no, they're not going to know if he just, him and his girlfriend just left with a box full of costume jewelry and stole his wife's jewelry. She was in bed. She couldn't find him. If he just moved to Denver, it's fine. Like, this well, is why okay. it's hard all to right, believe right, that right, he right, Alex, Alex, his wife. Alex, Alex, Alex. So, so he didn't do it. He mm-hmm. did, it was cocaine instead. But yes. now you're critiquing that he even would, I would even need to do it. You're just going in a I, lot yes. of different directions and, here. Well, there's a big okay. So, in fact, I have a lot of things that I want to ask now in our in our anchor segment. No stupid questions. Well, yeah, I, I I have a question I gotta ask you, Alex. So fast. Okay. But the real brass tacks, the real important thing. Yes. Did you find Alfred Hitchcock? Yes, I did. I did right, find cool. Alfred Hitchcock. He was. I, I paused it, pointed it out to Megan. It was really delightful. You got to um, do that in all of his movies. That's. I enjoy any Where's Waldo. I yeah. enjoy that <laughs> that aspect of movie making. Loves a good I, Waldo, this guy. I do a good. Oh yeah, who doesn't love a good Waldo? It's fun. Everybody loves Stan Lee's Waldo. It's just a fun yeah. game. That's why you got to watch. Like, if you watch all, because he does, he's in almost all of his movies. And some of my favorite cameos are the really clever ones, like the ones that he can't possibly be in because it's like a locked room thriller or it takes place on a boat with four characters. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, what does he do? So there's one, I forget what the movie is, but it takes place on a boat, and there's a, a character holds up a magazine to read it, and he's on the front cover. <laughs> that's uh, great. Oh, that's awesome. There's one when it's just his shadow on the wall, because Alfred Hitchcock's the only director who has a famous silhouette. Yeah. Um, Good, yeah. Yeah. I just I love uh, his like him walking a bunch of dogs in the background of the boat in the boats or like all of us. I just love his little cameos. Um, I, and I, I really I, like I his, that him as a him as the fanciest clock repairer in the history. Of <laughs> just in a solid black suit fixing oh, the, the piano player's clock. It's just a weird fun little cameo i love it so uh, so one of the main things that i have trouble with actually is about this being said in the 50s is there's so many things i do not understand about the mid 50s the early to mid 50s so for example insurance nurse petting parties sleeping on a fire escape and uh yeah that's a good start what are what is happening in the who are these what is this it's hot it's a heat wave wave. people's windows are open they don't have okay. Air, okay. So, what's a petting party? 
What is what is the petting pony? What are you talking about? I, I can't. Somebody talked about going like something was. Is it uh, when, when she has all the when um, uh, the dancer has all the boys over? Is that what you're talking I about? I don't think it was that. I think it was like referring to somebody as they were just it was a conversation they had where they suggested either either he should go or he had gone or it was like a petting party. Oh, it's like I guess it's like a sex party sort of. Is it really just like a hands only petting party or a sex party? Um, the scandalous I found an article about it called this it says the scandalous sex parties that made Americans hate flappers. Um, oh, I don't hate flappers. Yeah, I don't hate flappers okay. either. Though. Okay. Um this is the quote. Um uh let's see, we're talking which one is Stella? So Stella's his his uh she is the insurance insurance nurse. Um she says, once if it, it was see somebody, get excited, get married. Now it's read a lot of books, fence with a lot of four-syllable words, psychoanalyze each other until you can't tell the difference between a petting party and a civil service exam. And I would guess that I could tell the difference between those two things, but it would be close. But you're also the old-fashioned type that she was talking about there, right? You're not, you're not one of those kids going around using four-syllable words analyzing people, you know? I do. I have no idea what she's talking about, yeah. but petting party sounds pretty fun. Well, um, I, think, I think it's a scandalous kind of sexy party by 1950 standards, so therefore not scandalous at all in any right. way. And in fact, probably not even sexual to our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, here's the thing. I have been to a petting zoo. Yeah, Didn't and I don't get find a lot that to be of... sexual at all. It's zero percent sexual to me. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I I like to listen to the Pet Shop Boys, so that's yeah. also not sexual. For you don't me. get aroused so, from it out. Yeah. See, I just yeah. don't understand. It's a different time. Yeah. And then what is this? So he's got an insurance nurse who is related to his accident, who comes by every day, and despite him having injured his leg, she gives him a topless back massage. He is topless, not her. Well, I mean, again, I don't. Uh, what is that job? Who? What is an insurance nurse? What does that mean? What, Al, what the fuck are you talking about? That still happens today. If you get in a bad accident and have good they insurance, send, yeah, that's, the uh, insurance yeah. sends you a nurse from their company to give you a massage. Yeah, if you have an accident that needs that and you have good enough insurance, that's absolutely a thing today. Like if you have crazy, if you're like home ridden and you can't leave and you are the one of the lucky few to have good insurance in this hellhole nation, uh, Mm -hmm. you you can get a nurse who regularly stops by your house crazy and takes care of you. Okay, so here's my main question for this whole movie Mm -hmm. is why is that woman with Jimmy Stewart. Why is such a cool person hanging out with such a piece of shit? Well, have you ever known like a piece of shit artist or like photographer? And then like they have like somebody attracted to them because of like maybe their work or they're Yeah, I guess I have. How much they're like not interested? (laughs) I I can't even tell you the amount of shitty people I've met with incredible... Future yeah. princesses of Monaco for girlfriends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's not just that she's pretty, but she's like, she's just like so cool. She just seems yeah. like she's very funny. She's um the he. Okay. So he, for those of you who haven't seen this movie or you haven't seen it in a long time, he's broken his leg. He's in, in, um, he's home ridden, um, wheelchair bedridden, um, for six weeks. Was it? Six and, weeks, yeah. 
So on the beginning of the sixth week, she throws him a party to celebrate closing night of his, of the, or the beginning of closing week of his leg. And um, he's like, but I don't see a lot of people asking for tickets. And she's like, I bought out the whole thing. Um, he's like, well, I wanna, we're going to go to this restaurant. And she's like, I, he's like, I can't go to the restaurant. She's like, well, I brought it up. And the guy like puts it in the oven. And it's this awful looking 50s, like overdone lobster dish. But still, she like, throws him a party in his apartment to celebrate him only like what a fun partner and then all he says is like i'm never gonna marry you because i'm cool and i go to wars well i mean i think that it's it's part of it is he thinks he's not good enough for her right like he has like he's right he yeah he has an angry insecurity she's a spoiled rich girl so she wants the thing that's like she can't have so they're both psychologically uh, a little bit damaged and bad. She doesn't even seem spoiled. She seems so down to earth. Oh yeah, Alex, for someone who's so rich. Yeah, again, Alex, that's just a you thing. If you look at her and be like, "Oh, the normal person," that's no, uh, not in, that's, not just glancing at her, but like the way she like when she's hanging out with him, she doesn't seem spoiled. She's so generous and and friendly. Spoiled people are like gimme gimme people. She was like a she's a generous spirit. I think Again. so. I, I, I agree. Actually, I agree with Alex on this. I think I, I think she is uh, very generous and very sweet. But I do feel like we what we're kind of missing here is what maybe Jimmy Stewart's character is meant to kind of represent or what um, as far as the allegory of the movie or I, I guess Hitchcock films aren't quite allegorical so much as like I feel like his movies are very psychological um, mm-hmm. in that who I mean. Who is Jimmy Stewart's character meant to be, or or what kind of okay, attitude so do you think you're meant to represent? Rock star war photographer, which is also a little hard for me to wrap my head around. But I, mean, I, I guess I get rock, it. The rock star thing is coming from. I think what Hunt is getting at is like the the notion of the voyeur, right? Yes, somebody who completely. lives his life through like he is someone who is like at his like my one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Miss Lonely Hearts is like panamining the date by herself and she oh, goes yeah. to, she goes to raise a toast and he raises a toast with her. Like it's it's one of like the most honest moments yep. of his yep. character because that mm. is where he is his most comfortable with people. Right? He he's a photographer. He captures things through it. He doesn't have a home really. He doesn't have a place. He is someone uh... who lives his life through being a voyeur and it's so the reason why he doesn't like his girlfriend is because she's real she's too yeah, like she's, yeah if, actually if he, no i think if he was taking great. pictures of her he'd be super attracted yes. to her but because he she's could talking separate to him, he can't himself from her if he could have if she could be at some sort of distance from him and yeah. not actually in the physical world he inhabits then yes yeah. he would he would love her but yeah. he can't it, that can't work yeah all right that's cool all right you did it I actually love his character because I feel like um, in a in a kind of sad way, in a way that we should all try and be more aware of, I think a little bit of him is in all of us, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the way that we use our phones, with the way that we are kind of constantly consuming news and information and that kind of distance that he uh, seems like he needs, I feel like has like kind of crept into our lives. I feel like his character gets more and more... Um, I don't know, resonates more and more um, as time goes on. Basically. Well, and it's also the like the kind of the inverse, I think, um, for like 
if this movie was made today, right, you would kind of want to say, like, the images that people put in their windows are, like, fake. Like, the way people spend hours trying to get, like, a candid Instagram photo, right? Something like that. Instead, it's like he is doing, like, these raw moments that people don't know they're being performative. Sure, yes. Their lives, simply through living it, are performative. You also get this, Man, I just don't understand how they could not know. Like, they don't realize how much they're being voyeured by him but like you have a huge window into a courtyard <laughs> he's also <laughs> much higher than them right that's another thing that a little, little the, higher. Ge- the geography makes a lot of sense i mean he the movie spends so much time establishing exactly like, first off that fucking set they built is i know incredible i it's it's one of those like i wish i could have just like go back in time and just walk through it when there's not, because it's a, basically a full apartment courtyard they built in all Yeah, of so it. I was wondering about that. There was a time where I thought I would see, like, the, in, like, the stairwell of the building, I thought it looked like a matte painting, but, like, like the, but how much, yeah, tell me about the set. How much is built? What is actually... All, what is, all of it. All, all of it. it. All None of it. The entire movie is built on a soundstage. Yeah. It's one giant set they built. Man. Uh, so like, especially with there's like this one shot and like kind of like the evening dusk when the sky is just like blood red and it's uh-huh. just fucking gorgeous. Um, but yeah, I mean like the way it captures this place, it's like it is modeled after a real courtyard, so they have yeah. like uh, inspiration of what Hitchcock wanted them to build. But yeah, it just must have been such a cool set especially to be there on the days when it's like raining and they're just dumping water on the set to like interesting must have been such a thing to see and being Uh, able to shoot all of those like kind of long angles from the apartment and it all still like makes sense and like the i don't know just the way they were able to plan all of those angles out within the within the set itself. Um, I feel like uh, I want to just read the names of the set designers, even though I actually am not familiar with them at all. Uh, it's Hal Pereira and Joseph McMillan Johnson. I think they are, in, they're both in a very dead. special in, um, edition of employee of the month. Yeah. The, they're definitely employees of the month uh, yeah. for this movie. And I, I think Hal Pereira worked on other Hitchcock films. I was not able to find anything about the other person, um, but yeah, they, did a kick-ass job crazy good it's just incredible and the the way it's like like you said the way it's like photographed the way there's like i love the stuff about like going into the voyeuristic theme i have it's like sort of the a plot but there's all these little plots as well and that's like another thing that when i think of like my favorite directors um i i'm a big fan of really talented uh you know artistic have a lot to say directors but still have like a sense of humor to their work and that's something like when i think of like david lynch especially like alfred hitchcock like this movie is filled with so many little gags and payoffs you know like and like yeah, there's this hilarious of- runner with the uh lonely girl committing suicide and them not caring at all oh my god uh, but again that's supposed to be like Think about what the voyeur is like. What voyeurism causes you to attract to? Like, there's a reason why he's juxtaposing them seeing the same exact thing and not caring because they're like focused on something else, and she's instead saved by a struggling artist who is just not even aware of her. Right? There's like 
something he yeah. is talking about the voyeuristic view and what that does to your perception of reality and your interactions with people. And then like this drunk piano player who is unaware, but just through creating something beautiful, he's saving someone's life. Like, I think that is incredibly touching, but I was going to yeah. say the, jo- the jokes, like the couple sleeping on the patio, I think it's very funny when it starts to rain and they have to like, yeah, they're so out. fun. And they have, they're then, like, it's sleeping on the, it's not a patio. It's a fire escape, but putting your mattress on the fire escape is so interesting. And then and they, they are the ones who have head, a, they sleep head to toe, which is a very weird thing. I never know. Oh, man, oh yeah. That's that's Holy shit. Uh, but and also then, they like, lower the their dog down on a, on, in a basket on a pulley the doggy system. basket. Yeah, that's, not basket. A, that, that's not a joke, but I'll pretend it is because I laughed. But yeah, the uh, I mean, it is supposed to, it's inherently ridiculous, but it's hilarious, right? Yeah, and that's like, great. It, uh, the ballerina going through all these guys and at the end having like a dude, Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah, like this little tiny <laughs> older guy. It's a true love. Dude, like Rick, Rick Moranis comes back from the war at the end of this. Yeah. Movie. You gotta <laughs> watch it. It's just, it's just so incredibly funny. Like these little yeah, things, very funny. It, along with being like, like I think you brought up, like when you brought up the not paying attention to the suicide attempt. Like that's yeah. there for a reason, so that you think about what, like, looking through these voyeuristic eyes and the way since things that are sensational are what catches people' attention, but the actual drama and tragedy has to be saved by art. You know, like it's, it's a fucking incredible moment um, it's just it it, it was a li- i was like stressed out about that so much where they're like she's like what's she doing she's got like oh she's got 200 sleeping pills and a glass of water oh she's writing a note it's a different like that's not a big deal let's look over at this other thing yeah. but again um, you're supposed to be you're like yeah, you yeah. make it sound like it was like an accident or something like it's it's well no it's just perfect because he sucks and i hate him and i want him to suffer and then i want her to be with someone who cares about her and has fun with her but i do like how they grow really close together and i that was my favorite thing in like couple things is like if you guys solved a a murder mystery together it would bring you so you'd be so close you'd be like having so much fun hanging out after that one of my favorite line deliveries of all time in this movie and it's when uh when Grace Kelly is like, he's first telling her about it. And she's just like coming up with excuses, excuses. And like, you know, coming up with what ifs and uh, saying like, it's not possible. And then they see the blinds open and like the mattress is folded up and he's roping up a trunk. And she's like, tell me everything again. Yeah. From the beginning. <laughs> yep. What do you think? Happened? It's just the way she snaps and like the, where she's standing behind him, like, She's all over the apartment, and then in that moment, they're, like, united as one unit standing there. that's really fun. It's just incredible. Grace Kelly was, like, such a fucking talent who, you know, died so tragically. I mean, she became a a princess, and then... What happened? I I did not... She died in a car accident with her husband, who was, like, the... the, Not not the king of uh, Monaco. The prince of Monaco. Yeah. Um, oh, that's what she, you meant by becoming a princess, is that yeah, she yeah, actually became literally. a princess. Yeah, Grace Kelly literally became a princess before she passed away. I mean, she. I mean, Crazy. you look at her and it's like, yeah, that... Yeah, of course, that makes that, sense. That, sh- that should happen to someone who's that beautiful. Well, there's two kinds of, of prince and princesses, and there's there's that one, and then there's the one that's like, oh, this is... They kept it in the family. Those yeah, are the no, two options. This, this is... <laughs> 
Thank this, you, Alex. This was um, a legit princess. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome, Hunter. Okay, so we have one more segment that I want to do. I, I think we've covered a lot of the big things about this movie. Um, so this was Hunter's suggestion last week, um, which is uh, a special segment that we're going to do for topics like this that is called, so uh, um, is, is this okay? So uh, well, this is how we're going to try to, because a lot of film history has uh, people who uh, are, uh, possibly objectionable involved yes. in them, artists yes. who may have done things. And all I know is that there might be some things. So I don't, I have, as, as always, I've done no research because I am the student. I don't have to. But so <laughs> I don't think that's just, true. I think that's I'll, not what. Nope, that's definitely how it works. Here, here, uh, I'll, 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 I'll present, I can present the evidence if you'd like. Oh, you know, but I, th- I thought Anthony was saying it's not true that I don't have to do research. Is that what you're oh. saying? Or were you saying there's nothing? Uh, so not, I, I was no, I was just saying that uh, I'm pretty sure students do a lot of research. I've never. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah but you're wrong. Part. It's my show. So uh, <laughs> Hunter, <laughs> um, so tell me, like, what's the case here? Um, this is our segment. Where we should check in and see who is the douchebag in this production and who isn't, and how we should we discuss how we try to figure out how we should feel about it. Right, so, right. So obviously, we're talking about Alfred Hitchcock. Um, he, I yeah, he's a weirdo. I would say that, well, okay, so I'm I'm kind of two minds about it. Um, he has been called out by uh, Tippi Hedren, mm-hmm. um, who was in The Birds. Um, mm-hmm. and, and a few other movies, but yes, The Birds yes, yes. was like the notoriously that's That's probably what you... Yes, sort of, yeah. yes. Um, and so the, story, the stories that she de- details are uh, p- pretty bad. Um, and this came out in like 2016. So it's actually kind of fresh information. Oh, interesting. Um, the, the details of it. I mean, I don't necessarily want to summarize those cause yick. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, what genre it's, of yick. Um, the, like, uh, I get to flirt with you. And if you don't like that, then I'll try and hurt your career. Kind of. Yick. Mm. Um, or like, lock you in a box and throw birds at you for hours well beyond you know yeah that's also one um yeah yeah what gets tricky about this story is that some people are still alive that saw it and there are a lot of people that came out of the woodwork to defend hitchcock which oh man a monster that has people talking that Uh saying that he didn't do it oh it's so hard to imagine um so i would say that uh it's it's not very uh, it's not very cut and dry like you would hope this story would be. Um, I feel like in a, a believe all women thing, we can uh, just believe Tippy's story because it is possible for someone to be a monster to one person and then not a monster to other. Yeah, I mean, people. It's, it's actually this is a really perfect tie in with the discussion we were having uh, a half hour ago about whether or not the salesman is capable of uh, cutting a body up is that every neighbor of every murderer says there's no way. Yeah. I don't like I saw him not killing people all the time. That's a good There's point. There's no way the other times he was killing people. And so whenever I don't understand how people don't how the people who defend stories like this miss that where they're like, look, all the times I was hanging out with with uh, Alfred Hitchcock, he was not putting me in a box and throwing birds at me. Like, well, that is not accounting for 100 percent of his. T- you're, you're not like neither a character witness nor like a um an alibi because right they, yes yeah he could be well, people are different to different people and, and, and you were not there for all the things 
And there is, you know, like the Hitchcock is a very fascinating person to look through this lens because it's not just stories like that. You know, Alvin Hitchcock was known as a, a notorious prankster. And what I mean by that is like he would find out what your worst fear is. And like if you were scared of spiders, he'd make it so that your house was filled with 10,000 spiders. Jesus like literally Christ. huge, expensive pranks. I don't think he understands people. how pranks work. No, no, no. Yeah, he... <laughs> He locked a guy in a coffin for 24 hours once. For 24 uh, hours? Yeah, I mean, Who maybe had not that kind of time. Not exactly, maybe that long, but it was a very long time. He was a very weird person like that. He also, what's really interesting about him is like he has, he is one of those directors who all of his things were on the screen in one way or another, right? Oh, so, I hate I mean, that. I mean, well, I mean, first off, that's what being an artist is. I mean, that's true of almost every artist, right? But he is someone who, just because he has such a body of work, it's very obvious to sort of see the common themes, right? So you have everything from, like, he had a strong, strong dislike for the police. So the police are always portrayed in his movies in a very specific way. They're always incompetent, they're wrong, they're lazy, they're abusive, they're evil, then you Although have, I will say in this movie, the uh, detective is a very good detective who really should be right. But he's wrong, though. He does happen to be wrong, but he did everything well. And if he really, yeah. if every detective was like, oh, I saw a guy with a saw, um, I'm going to go arrest him. Like, he's exactly, like, he was actually exactly right about the Constitution in a moment yeah. when that seemed important to me. But, um, but anyway, again, but yes, fun side note, but yes, generally. You look at it in the longer picture of it. You look at, like, you know, the Hitchcock blonde is a a thing that, like, is in almost all of his movies, right? right. Almost all of his films have a female lead who is, like, incredibly pale, blonde hair, usually has the same kind of hair, has this, almost the same hair as his wife and mother, uh, who his, his mother had a very weird relationship with. Like, she lived with him for most of her life. Uh, went with them on vacations anywhere he went. His mom and his wife went with them. Uh, mm. His wife is also a very talented screenwriter and playwright who's incredibly accomplished on her own. But he is certainly someone who has like a thing, like a visual look that he likes and then mm. executes that a lot in almost all of his movies. And then there's also a way like the women are treated in his movies Right, that's a, a very common theme you see. Right, the way between like being humil- humiliated, murdered, um, being like captured and in danger. You have you know everything from uh, the woman in Psycho being violently murdered early on. To that, that movie alone, like Psycho and Vertigo. If you really want to get into his sort of like opinions on women and sort of like his feelings towards them. He's really working out a lot of shit in those two movies. Um, Vertigo in Mm. particular, which also deals a lot with this. Like no Vertigo is widely considered like the best movie ever made. And I think it's Mm -hmm. probably a movie you really wouldn't like Alex, because I think you would look at it too much on a sort of literal sense when the movie is really meant to be taken on a sort of like what these elements mean and as like a psychological exercise. I do think Vertigo is genius. It does have some very weird things uh, in it. Mm-hmm. It also is another Jimmy Stewart movie who I think yeah. uh, that was another thing though about him is like, he also worked with a lot of actors repeatedly um, and he got usually some of the best performances 
out of these actors. Like, I love Jimmy Stewart working with Hitchcock because he plays against his normal lead. But he's also the type of guy who would say actors uh, are idiots and they're cattle and they shouldn't have ideas and they shouldn't bring anything to the screen. I know what I want, right? So Yeah, gross. He was just, I mean, that's just like another way of directing. I mean, it's certainly a limited way, I think, but like, when well, Charles, have- it's a gross way to be a human being in a world with coworkers. <laughs> um, I okay, so okay, so that's that is some really good background information, and except for the small part where you told everybody that I was the problem for watching a movie and seeing what's happening in it, but the oh, um, I did say that I said that's how you would you would try. To that's watch. how I would do it. When I watched the movie, I would see the stuff in the movie, and I I get that that's <laughs> very upsetting. But the, we'll put that aside. The um, so for the segment, <laughs> I like how you're taking his comment too literally as well. <laughs> 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 you're not even. You're just like face value on the comment. Well, I didn't like what you said, and I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I agree. So um, anyway, so for so um, is this okay? There's a couple things about that stand out to me. Um, one of them is that he's dead, which is interesting. Um, this is different from talking about people who are getting money from stuff. And I sure. do think there's something different about where you're like not supporting somebody because you don't like them and don't necessarily want them to get money to keep doing this, to keep exploiting people. But you can watch the art that already exists. I think that's interesting. Um, I do like, especially as somebody who is a member of the Actors Guild, I tend to be more ruffled by people who treat actors really badly. Um I think that's like the like how this this work environment uh, from uh, from uh, uh, b- directors who are like you're the boss of the 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 set you're the you're right, the, right. the movie daddy the fact that you treat your employees that badly and like they're not people and they don't deserve things like being let out of the coffin at some point. Um, well, I don't is, think that is, was an actor. I think that was just like someone who was dumb enough to think. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. If, it, if they were like a key grip, that's not a real person. I'm yeah, not yeah, in that yeah. union. That's not, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like, so just people treating people that way is, is gross. I don't like that at all. And, and also bosses hitting on their employees, I find to be like extremely gross, but I don't think that means I can't appreciate and learn from his use of camera techniques. Um, so that the and the other thing is like but the other thing is that him like portraying his um his icky behavior like studying that on screen is something that especially bothers me. So I watched the um Miles Davis documentary the other day um kind of blue which is interesting and I really enjoy Miles Davis's music and I think he was a terrible person oh, and yeah. but there's nothing about his music like his he's not exploring through his use of B flat notes his relationship with women. Like right, I don't right. think I don't feel any of that stuff through the music, and so it doesn't make me feel as feel gross when I'm a part of it. The way that Woody Allen, everything he does, makes me feel Woody Allenness, and it's gross, and I can't be a part of it. It just makes right, me and feel like bad. All I you can think it. of when you're yeah. watching the movies, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. I can't enjoy that. So that that difference makes a, a big difference to me. It, with with this, it's weird because I feel like if you hadn't told me that, I wouldn't have noticed it. Whereas with Woody Allen, I'd be like, man, this guy's got a thing. But this, I don't know if I would have noticed he really likes pale skin and his mom. I'm not sure I would have gotten all that from... Uh, uh, you probably you probably would have. You think yeah, I would have? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, watched enough of them, yeah. But I, I, don't know, I don't know if you noticed. I'm very caught up with things like 
the lobster being gross looking and like yeah, the blinds but, not being no, closed. No, but this is like really on the like this is okay. like if you watch a couple of them in a row, you would be like, all right, I'm sensing right. some threads. Here. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So and that makes me not want to go too f- much further. It makes me want to watch maybe like one more Hitchcock and then that's it. Well, I I would say that's like one if you if you uh. He, wanting to like learn about film or even be someone who just enjoys it hitchcock is impossible to separate from british and american cinema he is Mm -hmm. like there's a long list of very influential important directors but there is not a list that hitchcock is not on right right? he is just someone who was far too important made far too many very good movies and also i think that there is like Movie making, there, there are people who, you know, I, as I kind of mentioned this on the Tarantino episode, but like, yeah. even with auteur theory, there's so many other great things about movies. Like the fact that even if he was very difficult for actors and didn't want them to improvise or anything like that, he still got some of the greatest performances from Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant, Ingman Berman, like all these actors and actresses. He got easily some of the most memorable performances in their career. And I think that would actually be a really interesting discussion about like whether bad bosses produce good work uh, that I think as a society, we generally think they do. Like we generally have this idea that like, like the Gordon Ramsay theory that like, if you're really good, you get to yell at people. Right. Um, Sure. As long as you're a guy and not a female presidential candidate. But the the general <laughs> idea seems to be like a bad boss makes good work. And so I think it's I, I think it would be interesting to – that's an interesting discussion that I don't, we don't have time to really go further into right now with him. But that's an interesting part of it. It's like if he was treating actors like garbage and got them to do good work, is that worth it? I don't know. Well, Hunter, feel, where do you – so where do you come I, down on all of this? Is this okay? Um. Well, I, th- I mean I think when it comes to somebody like Hitchcock – uh, the question is kind of irrelevant. Uh, his work, you, you we're living okay, in. This was a hit- your idea for the name of this segment. So, oh, I, th- I think it's a great idea for a segment. I think just with this particular <laughs> person, it honestly uh, just he's like right outside the window of like this could ever matter. The answer to this question because he's already in there. He's already you've you you've watched his stuff without watching his stuff. That's how like. Yeah how much he's made it into the overall like kind of cinematic psyche. Um, so I would say at this point, Hitchcock is a person that is um, it's, I think important to contextualize what, uh, what he did and what uh, is happening in his movies and not like, it would be bad if you watched all of his movies and did not notice that like, Oh, none of the women in these movies have any agency. That would be shitty. Yeah. Of you, that would be bad viewing, basically. Um, so it is important to recognize uh, and contextualize these things. Um, but I kind of, I have a deeper point that I've been wanting to get to on the show for a while, which is that I actually kind of think, and and uh, Anthony has sort of gone this way, but I want to go a little bit further and just say that I think auteur theory is kind of uh, damaging and a little bit patriarchal in its nature, and I don't think it's mm-hmm. really that honest. Um, I think it's something we do as a shorthand. Like when I say Hitchcock, it's easier for me to just say he made this movie or this is his movie than say like 
him and the, all of those artists that were a part of that worked on every single yeah. one of these movies made the movie. And I think it's just kind of unfortunate that the way that our culture has developed and how we talk about movies that we just decide to use the name of the, the most of the time guy with that particular job is the shorthand to describe uh, basically a lot of people. Um, I, I, such a, I mean, I'm so glad you made that point. Um, sorry, let me just jump try me here. I, that's such an interesting point because for me as the student of this film school, one of the things we talked about, especially the first few episodes, was like, what is the job? What are the jobs here? What does a director do and what do they not do? And one thing, like specifically the things you were talking about that were so interesting in this movie, one of the things was blocking, which I do remember from earlier lessons, was one of the things the director does. Um, so the fact that the blocking is really brilliant is, is super relevant, but then you also like talked about how great the set was and how brilliant the set was. And even though he may have been part of the vision planning committee, yes, yes. he didn't design and execute the set. Right. Yeah. But so, I mean, that's also going to vary from direct, some directors, right, someone right. like Hitchcock is like, he was, you know, he didn't write any of his movies, but he was there giving feedback on every version of the script and telling his writers. I think like my, one thing I always think about in sort of like this kind of argument or this sort of point that Hunter's making is like specifically with Hitchcock, like you can apply all this stuff to him and his movies, but like imagine psycho without Bernard Herman's score, right? Like that is a separate artist who created music and added so much to his images. It is like, a you know a collaborative effort i mean that's why i do feel like it is incredibly patriotical because you look at like someone like david fincher who you know spends does 40 takes of everything and is super demanding and he's a genius you have someone like nancy myers who does the same thing and she's like a blowhard bitch right that's right (laughs) yeah and it's like she has the same exact precision but because she makes movies that people like are like frivolous and you know i've been i did big quotation marks for that yeah yeah um but you have because people view that and because she's a woman doing it she has trouble getting films made like she hasn't made a movie in like 10 years because the movies go over budget and she has you know does tons of takes of everything and makes people like tear down walls because she doesn't like the specific beige and rebuild them on set and shit yeah. like that, you know? And it's yeah, like... All the stuff that you would be saying in a very different tone with certain other directors would be like, yeah, he's so crazy. He would make them like rebuild the wall yeah, no matter yeah, the yeah, cost. Yeah. It yeah, would exactly. be cool. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need to get the perfect beige and you can tell, you can feel the beige in that scene. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the stuff that I do think that is incredibly true. I also wanted to make a little point, sort of like, I feel very similar. I think with me and Alex have one huge difference and I don't think this is going to surprise anyone. Is Ownership that of I, land. Yeah. I have... Uh, I have a big issue if, uh, if like a director or someone on on a on a on a film set is bad to the crew or like anyone else. But if you're an actor, treat them like don't sexually harass them, but treat them like garbage all you want. They're getting paid, <laughs> they're getting paid so much money to remember lines and say them, and if right. they can't fucking say the line the way you want it, the way you're paid millions of dollars to say it, then fucking yell at them until they do it. Dude, actors are the landlords of the movie industry. They're just there making fat paychecks while the regular people work their asses off. That's that's the studio execs. Yeah, there's there's a lot of landlords in this business. 
the landlords are more of like you know the other uh, landlords. The actors are more of the sort of a uh, corrupt money cows. The sort of yeah. The, yeah. They're more of the coffers that the landlord executives <laughs> pull their money from. Uh, and they, they don't like. I have I have very little sympathy when if a if a if a grip or like a set builder says a director was mean. I have a lot of sympathy if an actor is crying because the director yelled at them. They can go fuck themselves. I really I, have no. Ooh, I I have a no I have sympathy. a I have a story about a director that we all admire. That uh, he, the guy was a set designer and he didn't have a good experience with him and that was uh martin scorsese um oh a friend of mine's uh brother is an artist in uh in new york and he got hired to do um some set set design for um what was that hbo um steve buscemi criminal thing um what what's that fucking show oh uh Um, boardwalk empire boardwalk empire yeah, yeah He worked on the pilot of that, and he said, wait, "Every wait, time did you say he painted houses, uh, yeah, sure, uh, I, I'll say that. <laughs> Fine, he he painted houses, uh, just just like in The Irishman, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so." Every time Martin would come on set, which you can imagine would probably happen quite a few times, um, everyone was ordered to not speak and look down uh, as if like <laughs> the Grim Reaper was like floating through. That, uh, that's the same shit like the people on Ellen's staff have to deal with. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, sure. yeah I'm Man, sure Ellen's I... just like that. So, so I mean, Ellen literally does not allow people to talk to her or look her in the eye if she's walking through a room. That's, Wait, are you that's... being serious right now? Wait, that's you... Ellen. Ellen seems so nice. No. Oh my God. There's a. Uh, okay. God. Okay. Hey, well, this is this is too much of a tangent. We have to wrap right, things right. up sorry, anyway. Sorry. 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 But sorry. just look up some Ellen DeGeneres stories. Ellen <sighs> is a very very tough person to work with. But also, heartbreaking. Like, Monica says I don't. I'm not surprised by that. But that's yeah, also that sounds like that's. that's I I hate that and I look I I just want to I just want to say that I mostly actually agree with you Anthony I don't think anyone should be mean to actors but I have way I have have very little tolerance for you being a shitty boss to actors and treating actors badly but I have no tolerance whatsoever for you being shitty to anyone else on staff if I'm paying you a million dollars and you can't remember your lines I'm gonna be so mean to you I have (laughs) yeah I mean it is it is such a fucked up industry in that like the power of that person's name and face is just worth more money to the film producers that like i mm-hmm. i would love to say i go to a movie because i heard there's really awesome grip work and i just can't and that i i think this actually ties back to what you were saying hunter about the the, the reason why we use authorship is we do it more just like as a lazy shorthand because there are too many brilliant people doing different things that are hard to tell sure. and yeah, hard yeah. to tease apart and so like we give the the person who has got that has negotiated that name credit and is doing a very specific job, but that is partially responsible, but not exclusively. Like it makes sense that we kind of put all of that into their head just because it's too hard to know all the people. I Um, almost wish I've always, I've always thought this, like I've always wished like movies were credited. Like, you know, certain directors will work with like the same writers or like same composers, same set designers, same, uh, DPs a lot. I wish that they would like form like a band name. Yes. So that we knew like the film more as like a collective thing. I like there's a few movies that have like Beast of the Southern Wilds is credited to a collective. Um, I love that idea, except if it means even more cards with names I don't understand at the beginning of a sure. film. 
That's what it means, though. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that idea. I lo- maybe what we could do is maybe they're not going to make that officially part of the movies, but we should, as a public service, oh, I love this come up idea. with 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 mega team names for band names for any group of people who do this do similar things in a lot of movies. I can't do it because I'm dumb, but you guys should definitely start working on that. <laughs> I really like that idea of it being sort of like a band because, like in yeah. a band, you have like the songwriter. And like the producer, you have roles where you could kind of be like, well, clearly these people are more important, but like you change the drummer and now it's a different band. Like it's not the same thing. Like there, there are the support roles and then there are the big roles, but the support roles are just as important. It doesn't make sense to just say yeah. one is important and the others aren't. Some people well, are just there to add like a consistent noise to a songwriter's work, right? Like- yeah, even if you said it was like Martin Scorsese and the Supremes, like that would be That's enough great. for me to know. Like he still gets he he gets his his mega credit and no one else looks in his eyes. But at least I know. Oh, the Supremes worked on this one. That's fun. Right, right. I love that. This is such a great idea. You guys have nailed it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut us off there. Uh, the mailbag is empty, so we're just gonna wrap things up and oh, okay, cool. and we'll talk to everybody later. Here we go. That is it for our show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Re- We will be back again next week, helping you in whatever weird way we can, if we do. Um, <laughs> also, make sure you're checking out our social accounts. We have, uh, we're have we doing some other interesting live streaming opportunities. If you want to come hang out and watch movies with us, uh, make sure you check out Facebook and Twitter, because we're going to be doing that a bunch the next couple weeks, or at least a little bit the next couple weeks. Um, we're going to be doing some hot mic action. So if you want to watch a movie with us on TV and just like hang out with us in your ears, that is available. And, of course, more of this show and more slightly kind of condescending film school coming up check out all of hunter's other projects including the you're wrapping up your uh big your big space gets peace turtles uh live stream mega game event yeah so we actually just scheduled the finals for the second international um twilight imperium fourth edition tournament hosted by space cats peace turtles it is going to be on april 18th starting at 10 a.m pacific standard time on twitch tv slash space cats peace turtles you don't you won't watch that but you can congratulations to the finalists though man couldn't be more excited for them dude one of our finalists screen names is john just john because his name is john <laughs> and i'm so happy and i want him to win so to bad. John. <laughs> oh man our the the winner of the tournament john <laughs> <laughs> i'm very excited that john made it to the finals he's worked so hard for this he's great um congratulations to him and anthony lopez at anthony lopez part two on twitter um, enjoy your VR, buddy. Don't get too sick. Yeah, and remember, everyone, I care a lot. I'll be very sad if I hear anything happens to any of you listeners out there. Please stay safe. And, uh, Unless you're an actor. Yeah. Well, hey, I want actors to stay safe. I just want them to be goddamn professionals, too. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, yeah and just, not touch their faces. They can't yeah, touch their touch faces. Their, they, that well, is your moneymaker. Yeah, no, here's the thing. All I want from actors is to know their lines and not sing Imagine to me in the most patronizing way in their giant goddamn mansions. I want that too. Do we know how that, have we, um, has, um, Ugly Hanks given us any updates recently? How's Tom doing? Uh, he's doing, he's back in the States. He's back in the States, right? He's, uh, I guess he's doing okay, but we all know that's really just a cover-up because the government arrested him. Don't, (laughs) don't. Oh my god. god! It must be so easy to be an internet conspiracy theory where it's like no matter what happens, you just go, "It's not real." Pedophile ring, like that. Wait, <laughs> if, uh, 
if you it's just want the answer to every single thing that's ever happened. The Olympics got moved. Pedophiles. Yeah, if you want to have your mind just slowly boil, just read any tweet that Tom Hanks puts out there and have people just screaming wild conspiracies at him. Tom oh, Hanks, the, worst. People, the least yeah, conspiratorial the, person on the planet. The, the only person that we all agree is probably a good dude. Yeah. Tom, if Okay, that's the only thing that would truly blackpill me is if Tom Hanks got busted <laughs> and turned out to be a bad person... All oh. my faith in humanity would be gone. You would never see me again. That would be rough. Um, fortunately, well, I hope he continues to get better, as I do, for all actors and DPs and grips. Man, a lot of sexual names. Anyway, all this Rips. and more. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Slating Condescending Film School. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Psh. Psh. Bye.